Welcome to your daily cup of true crime in 15 minutes or less from Hot Crime Cold Coffee. Listener discretion advised due to sensitive material and some violence. These daily episodes are brought to you Monday through Friday in addition to our regular weekly episodes that you can find on Wednesdays and Fridays. Today is a Friday, November 11th, and yesterday's true crime trivia question was, what is the name of the killer of the Amityville murders? And the answer to that question is Ronald DeFeo. Ronald Joseph DeFeo, born on September 26th, 1951, was an American mass murderer who was tried and convicted for the murders of his father, mother, two brothers, and two sisters in Amityville, Long Island, New York in 1974. He was convicted and sentenced to six sentences of 25 years to life and he died in prison in 2021. He was 23 years old at the time of the murders and initially he tried to cover it up. On November 13th, 1974, around 6.30 p.m., he ran into Henry's Bar, which is also in Amityville, and asked for help. He was like, oh my gosh, my parents have been shot. You have to help me. They went over to the house and they found his parents dead inside. One of DeFeo's friends called law enforcement who searched the house and found all six members of the family dead in their beds. All of them were face down and were shot. He said that he had drugged them. There were no signs of struggle whatsoever. He was taken initially down to the police station for his protection because he said that someone from the mob had done it. But because of inconsistencies in his story, the police were suspect of him. And the day after the murders, he confessed to all six of them. Ronald DeFeo was the oldest child and the only surviving member of his family. It is unknown what the motive was for his killings. But during his trial, his defense was that he had heard the voices of his family plotting against him in his head, and his defense was an insanity plea. However, he was convicted of all six murders. Today's true crime trivia question is, in which state did the Babes in the Wood murders occur? And I'll have that answer for you on Monday. Today in true crime history, on November 11th, 1969, Joyce Helen Malecki, a 20-year-old woman from Baltimore, Maryland, 
disappears. She was found two days later at the Soldier Park training area of Fort Meade. Her murder remains unsolved and was featured in the Netflix documentary series The Keepers. On the day that she had disappeared, she went Christmas shopping at Herndell Mall in Glen Burnie. She was wearing a brown turtleneck sweater and plaid slacks and was scheduled to meet her boyfriend who was stationed at Fort Meade at the time for a date, but she never showed up. Her disappearance was four days after the disappearance of the nun Kathy Sesnick whose murder also remains unsolved. Malecki's body was found on the bank of a river by two hunters who were setting up a deer blind. She was found with her hands tied behind her back and she had scratches and bruises all over her body as well as defensive marks. The murder of Sesnick and Malecki may also not only be related to each other, but also related to the murder of Pamela Lynn Conyers, as well as Grace Elizabeth Montagna. I have not watched the Keepers documentary so I'm going to add that to my list. There are two new documentaries on Netflix that I have added to my list to watch over the weekend. You know, when I'm catching up on chores and writing and folding laundry because that's just kind of what I do. The first one is Capturing the Killer Nurse that just came out on Netflix. It's a documentary this time about how they discovered that Charlie Cullen was a serial killer and how they ended up finally arresting and convicting him. The second Netflix documentary that came out that's true crime related is The State of Alabama versus Brittany Smith. So Brittany Smith has essentially said that Todd Smith, who is not related to her, they have the same last name, but they're absolutely not related and the last name is Smith, I believe is the most common last name in the United States, or at least it used to be. But she claimed that Todd Smith had raped her and the only way to get rid of him and to stop him from doing it again was to shoot him. And he died. Well, her whole defense was the stand your ground law, which I believe is similar to the castle doctrine law, which is that if someone breaks into your home and threatens you, you have the right to attack him. 
or them. And in the case of Brittany Smith, even though that was her defense, he didn't break into her home. It wasn't like someone was coming from outside and attacking her. It was essentially he was already there and she felt the only way to stop him was to shoot him, but she didn't call law enforcement or anything like that. Um, it's a very interesting case and I can't wait to watch the documentary. It'll be interesting. My husband and I have often discussed the Castle Doctrine Law and what that actually means about 10 years ago, right after we moved to Montana, there was someone who essentially used that as their defense when a person who was armed and dangerous came through their window with the intent to burglarize this person's house. We only lived about five houses down and it was a very interesting case in our community. The name of the man whose house was being broken into, his name was never released to the media. And I understand right why we live in a really small town and and he was essentially defending himself which there could have been some backlash to that. Yesterday, I discussed the update in the Velo Daybell case that the motion was heard to sever the cases. I talked a little bit about what it was, and that was essentially it. I listened to the recording. I think that John Pryor gave an excellent argument as well as Lindsay Blake. And we'll see what the judge has to say. This motion was previously heard or John Pryor had filed a similar motion in September of 2021 to sever the cases, which the judge denied. So we'll see what his decision will be this time. More times time has lapsed. I know that a lot of people cannot understand why this case has been drawn out so long. And if the cases are severed, it could mean that this case may be resolved sooner than later. But because we don't know anything about Lori's competency and her case is currently on hold while they're determining her competency again who knows when the trial will finally happen i really liked the lindsay lindsay blake's idea of having two juries and one trial it worked in the flores flores case and many people agree that justice was served and that both Paul Flores and his father, his father was essentially not determined guilty and it was because they couldn't reach an anonymous verdict at the beginning and then it was because 
they couldn't determine Paul Flores's father guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's essentially why they reached the non-guilty verdict. And with Paul Flores, they determined that he was guilty in the death of Kristen Smart. So we'll just have to see what happens. But I, I've mentioned it multiple times. I'm mentioning it again. I think it will solve the majority of all of the problems, including what Pryor has suggested. And I think it's a really good idea. But I'm not the judge, so who knows what will happen. This isn't really an update in the Valo Daybell case. However, the Hidden True Crime podcast, which you can find them on YouTube, they have a three-part series that is coming out today. So it's um, today, tomorrow, and Sunday. And it's an interview with Heather Daybell. None of the Daybells have really given any interviews or anything like that, except for the episode of 48 Hours and all five of Chad's kids were in that episode. I think it will be really interesting to get Heather Daybell's perspective. She is Chad Daybell's sister-in-law and is married to his brother, Matt, and they were Chad's next door neighbors in Rexburg while he was living there. I think the interview is going to be fantastic. The hosts of Hidden True Crime are Lauren Mathias and her husband, Dr. John Mathias, who is a psychologist. And I have loved all of their interviews. They have a very unique perspective. And so I think this one will be done extremely well. And I understand, I think, why Heather is giving this interview because the Daybell's perspective is important. It's as important as anybody else's. And there's always two sides to the story. I believe it will be done extremely well. And I can't wait to watch it later today. Again, it's the Hidden True Crime podcast. They are on YouTube and it's the interview with Heather Daybell, the sister-in-law of Chad Daybell, who's married to Chad's brother, Matt. So I highly encourage you to listen to it. I'll let you guys know what I think after I listen to it, probably during our regular episode that will drop later today which is part 20 of the Vallow Daybell case. All right, that's it for today's daily, and we'll see you on Monday.